1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we are joined by Ben Fletcher Watson, one of the editors of The Art of Being Dangerous. Ben Fletcher Watson manages the Institute for Advanced Studies in the Humanities at the University of Edinburgh. This edited volume explores what it means to be or to be perceived as a dangerous woman by showcasing a rich collection of feminist visual and literary arts. Where did the idea for this publication come from?
2: So I work at the Institute for Advanced Studies in the Humanities at the University of Edinburgh and each year we collaborate with the International Writers' Organization, PEN, so the Scottish chapter, Scottish PEN, um, to produce an International Women's Day event. And we've done that for years and years and years. Um, And back in um, 2015, we were planning for the next year's event And we all decided um, together as a group that the theme Dangerous Women was a really, really good theme. And so from that emerged the Dangerous Women Project. So the Dangerous Women Project ran from International Women's Day, March the 8th, 2016, to International Women's Day 2017. And every single day that year, we published a blog on our website to do with the theme of dangerous women. So we asked people from all over the world to respond to the question, what does it mean to be a dangerous woman? Um, And as you can imagine, we had a huge, huge variety of responses. Um, So we gathered them onto our website, which is still available at www.dangerouswomenproject.org. Um, and they're still archived there, and now we've begun to turn them into a series of books. Uh, And so we worked with Leuven University Press to create the book The Art of Being Dangerous, uh, which gathers together about um, more than 50 um, essays and poems and short stories uh, and pieces of visual art, all to do with the theme of dangerous women. Um, And really, I suppose, it all started a bit before um, 2016. I think there had been lots of um, stories in the newspapers and on television about this idea of um, women being dangerous or being in danger. Um, so we saw controversy, which some people may remember, where women who were working in video games were being attacked and harassed um, for their role in that industry. We saw um, senior academics like Professor Mary Beard at Cambridge um, being accused of, uh, she she was called the troll slayer, because she was taking people on on Twitter who were being misogynist. Um, And really, I I think as a group, we saw that these stories were appearing again and again, especially when it came to the online world, to social media, um, to video games, to to new media, um, and the ways in which people were trying to silence women um, in that new space. Um, And Mary Beard really was a a huge inspiration for us. She spoke to us several times before we started um, about the importance of um, making sure that women have their voices heard, take up space in the public realm. Um, And so yes, the whole project really emerged from that, that kind of push and pull that we saw in the media about women's roles, women's voices, uh, women wanting to be heard, um, and in the end, we ended up with more than 365 different essays, and we we're really pleased that the the book with Leuven University Press gathers um, more than 50 of those into a into a beautiful collection.
1: Wow, that's very impressive. What is the main idea or message you would want your audience to retain from your book?
2: So the question that we asked was, what does it mean to be a dangerous woman? Um, And every single uh, author and artist responded to that question. And I think the the best answer um, that I can give came from the journalist Bidisha, who is a a very well-respected journalist and filmmaker in the UK. Um, And she said, a dangerous woman is a woman who is in touch with her rage, her pain and her sorrow at the world we live in a dangerous woman has decided that speaking the truth about what she's experienced and witnessed is more important than the diplomatic silence which lets oppressors and abusers get away with it. That's why I and all women who speak out are dangerous and it feels great." And I think that's a really nice encapsulation of the idea that women being dangerous, you know that's a label that is applied to them by other people. People don't often call themselves dangerous unless it's in response to something. But I think Bedisha speaks for everybody who who embraces that label who, who takes that label on and says that's really meaningful to me it's important to be dangerous in today's world and it's been important throughout history to be dangerous that's how change has happened um by women standing up for whether it's um for the vote or um or for uh, abortion rights or for just the, the right to speak in the public um in the public realm i think that's the, the key issue that this is a label that women are reclaiming for themselves uh, rather than than um Um, having it imposed upon them and and feeling it as a negative thing, as an insult. They see it as something to be embraced.
1: That is indeed a very strong message and it feels very empowering too. What social impact do you think the book can have or would you like to see it have?
2: In terms of social impact, I think it it differs in every country around the world in terms of the the sorts of responses that we received and, and the way in which um, those are, are presented um, in the project. But I think the idea that we really wanted to, to pursue um, was expressed really nicely by Anne Marie Slaughter, who is the chief executive of an organization called New America. Um, she was also the first woman to serve as the director of policy planning for the US um, Department of State. And she talked about how, how gendered the idea of being dangerous is. Um, she said, why is it that bold and powerful women are still so often seen as dangerous when the same traits in men command our admiration? Women have made, made great strides towards equality over my lifetime, with many conscious and explicit barriers to their advancement being swept away. But subconscious bias continues to shape our perceptions, a danger that the Dangerous Women Project seeks to surface. And so I think there she's, she's saying that um, that idea that, that if a man is seen as dangerous, and we can see that, now, with, with all of the events that are happening in the world right now, men who are seen as strong men, as powerful, as aggressive, that's, that's to their countries, often that's seen as a good thing. People, people are embracing these strong man leaders in Hungary and in Russia, um, but if the same traits were presented in a woman, that would be seen as somehow unfeminine, as wrong, as, da- you know, as dangerous, as da- endangering um, social norms. And so I think that that concept that Anne-Marie is talking about of equality um, and and movements towards equality, it's taken women being dangerous to make some of those movements happen. But still, there's that perception under the surface that that danger is um, dangerous. Women are are a danger to society. They're not just a danger to themselves. They're a danger to the, the family, the idea of the family. They're a danger to the state. They're a danger to the whole of society. And so I think what we wanted to do with this book was to say that, danger as a concept is really uh, rich and fruitful and creative and exciting and um, you know it's full of new ideas it's fizzing with new ideas Um, and I hope that's what the book um, comes across rather than saying um, women can be can be um, sort of shrunk down or reduced to this idea of being uh, sort of single-mindedly dangerous and, and aggressive. It's a much wider, more exciting sense than that um, for us. And so, yeah, I think the art of being dangerous is about all the different ways that women have been dangerous through history and can be dangerous today and, and h- highlights the creative um, outputs from that, highlights the creativity of being dangerous.
1: Hmm. Okay, very interesting. How was your experience with bringing artists and academics together around the same theme.
2: I think our experience was surprisingly straightforward. Um, we, we simply just uh, sort of advertised that the project was happening back in 2016 and said, send us your thoughts on what does it mean to be a dangerous woman. and And so, of course, there are are a 1,000 different answers to that. We were were very lucky to receive uh, more than 365 answers um, in in all sorts of forms. Um, So some people were scholars and academics working within universities who would talk about women from history um, or or contemporary figures who they were interested in, in, in researching. Other people responded with very personal stories um, that were about their own lives, and other people responded with entirely creative, you know, fictional responses or photography or visual art or even sculpture in some cases. Um, And so I think, uh, you know, we went into this knowing that we didn't know what the answer was to that question, Um, but in a way... Academics don't know, artists don't know, everybody is exploring it from their own perspective. Um, And what we've found in the years since is that um, the more we talk to people about the project over the years, the clearer it becomes that there are a thousand different answers to this question, and that it's constantly evolving. Um, so, just recently, we've seen the photographs of um, there was a famous viral photograph of a ballerina in Ukraine holding a holding an assault rifle, um, taking up arms to to defend Ukraine. And you know that was an image that that I think seized people because it's something we've not seen before. It seems to go against that idea of a sort of 19th century, perfect, ethereal, you know, um, uh, ballerinas and and this sort of very artistic, aesthetic idea. And there she is holding an assault rifle. So even today, you know, even in the last few weeks, new answers, new ways of looking at that question keep emerging. And the really exciting thing for us about bringing together so many people, so not just academics and artists, but journalists. Uh, We had um, politicians, uh, the first minister of Scotland um, provided an essay, Um, We had all sorts of people from from across the world um, working in all sorts of backgrounds and people who were just reflecting very much on their own individual personal experiences as daughters, as mothers, um, as uh, people leading um, organisations for working for equality, all sorts of responses. And every single one of them reflected on this in a new way. We didn't get lots and lots of, of, of sort of similar essays um, answering, the, answering the question in the same way. Everybody came at it from a different angle. And so I think that diversity of response is what really excited us, um, rather than just making this a purely academic text about you know almost a philosophical question of, what does danger mean? It's a much richer thing than that um, because we received uh, so many responses from so many different people um, reflecting on the question in their own way.
1: Yes, I think that's very noticeable. Were you confronted with a difficult choice at some point? Have you been confronted with any risks you had to take? And have they paid off?
2: So I think the best example of a, of a difficult choice is we really wanted to include a, a wonderful poem called A Dangerous Woman by Joni Conwell, who is a poet based in, the, in America. Um, and when she sent the poem to us originally for the website, um, which is where it was first sort of presented to the world, it's this fantastic multimedia um, format where many of the words sometimes even individual words are links that take you off somewhere else on the web links to a photograph links to a book links to a, another poem links to a Wikipedia page whatever it is so it's this the, the, on the page uh, on the website page it looks like this kind of mass of blue underlinings and they're all different and, and you can just see looking at it straight away that it's this really rich poem that's um, taking you off in all sorts of other directions and we really wanted to include it in the book but we thought how do you do that you can't click on the click on the link when it's on a printed page so we came up with all sorts of different ideas and we worked with Joni over a long long time to try and figure out the best way of presenting this and in the end I'm really pleased with what we produced, we we created a, a poem that's read across two pages. So on the left hand side of the page is the original poem and on the right hand side printed out are the, the um, URLs or the web addresses uh, for all of the links. So it shows you visually that there are all of these different links, but then we also color coded them. So the poem goes through a like a rainbow of colors. Each line is a different color and the, they match up to the links. So you move down to the line three is in red and the link on the page next to it is in red. So you can see that those two things go together. Um, and it, it goes some way, it doesn't quite capture it but it goes some way towards capturing that sense of of a poem that is growing beyond the bounds of the page that you're seeing it on, of a poem that's kind of expanding and exploring um, across the web and across the world. Um, so it was a really, really challenging thing. And Joni was very brave to say yes, I think, and say yes, she wanted to have her poem reproduced. Um, and as I say, it took us a long time to come up with the right way of doing it. We had versions where there were lines drawn between them, like a kind of spider's web. We had all sorts of different ideas. But in a way, I think the rainbow effect that we produced in the end, as well as just being a beautiful, you know, colorful, explosion of color on the page um, also just really reinforces again this idea of, of a kind of constant growth and expansion and different directions new directions the way that things link and intersect with one another um, so that was a really exciting thing to work on and we're really pleased with the end result but it was a great deal of work to get there
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com.
1: Yes, that does sound like very good advice. What would have been good advice before you started this book project? I think...
2: We were very lucky with the project that um, there were lots of people who were prepared to help um, and to assist with it. So I'm one of the editors, um, but the the lead editor is Professor Joe Shaw, who is um, now head of the law school at the University of Edinburgh. Um, and she and I worked together um, to select and curate the pieces um, and, and kind of begin to form it into a manuscript. Um, but we were assisted by a huge number of other people along the way. And I think the teamwork element, being able to um, identify the different strengths within a team, that that's, um, would have been really useful for me to know in advance to, to kind of plan things out. I, I think initially Joe and I took on a lot of the work together Um, You know, Jo has written many academic books in her time. I've worked on a couple. um, But uh, this was a very new project. This is, you know, bringing together a really large number of different people, many of whom are not used to um uh sort of producing their work for publication some of them had never been published before um and so yeah identifying the different sort of strengths and skills that we would need in our team to be able to make it work I think that that would have been very useful to have known in advance we figured it out as we went along um I think the other big thing is is to be prepared for the unexpected I think we assumed it would be a relatively straightforward linear process um but of course there were delays along the way um There were some authors who who would go away on holiday for for weeks at a time and we couldn't contact them when we needed them there were issues with copyright so some of the pieces particularly the poems and the short stories some of them had already been published in other collections and so we had to get permission from those publishers Um, there are a huge number of beautiful images in the book and so of course we had to gather the rights to to reproduce those images in the book um, and that was a whole new area that we hadn't explored before so all of those There's unexpected things. I think if I'd I'd built in a bit more time to my process, that that would have really been helpful to me. I, I now do do that whenever I'm working on a book, but this was the very first time we'd done it. But then also there are lots of really positive things that we didn't foresee. So um, we we wrote to all of the authors um, over the course of about a week saying, would you like to be involved? We've got this project happening. And the speed with which they came back, people were so excited about the opportunity to to have their work um, turned into this beautiful book that they came back to us almost immediately. And so then I was sort of dealing with, it was a good thing, but I was dealing with lots and lots and lots of emails from people immediately saying, yes, I want to be involved. How can I help? What can I do? Um, And so just sort of the time management issue of dealing with all of that was was quite unexpected but a real a real positive a real boost to the project in in its early stages um so yeah so I think I think identifying the right team early on is really key um but also I think being prepared um for the unexpected and, and being ready for all sorts of surprises along the way um, both good and and bad um, but it's it's a It's such an enormous undertaking bringing a book together. I think academics who are used to writing a a single monograph um, and then they work with an editorial team and then it's produced. That seems like a relatively linear process. This was not like that at all. This was a much different process for all of us. Um, So we learned a huge amount along the way. Um, but yes, it was, you know, it was, of course, a fantastic process working with so many different artists um, who really cared about the way their work was presented. That was, that was the most exciting thing. They were all so passionate about seeing that it was laid out correctly, that the colours were reproduced correctly, um, that it was, that it was um, part of this kind of cohesive, creative um, whole, uh, rather than just saying, yes, you can reproduce that, print that, that's fine. I don't want anything else to do with it. They were all so, so engaged with the process. Um, so, yeah, I think if I, if I could have given advice to myself uh, uh, three years ago, I think I would have said gather the right team and build in lots and lots of time for the unexpected.
1: So trust the people, trust the process. What advice would you give young researchers wanting to write or edit a book?
2: I think if it's, if it's your first book, um, the key thing to remember is that it takes a whole group of people. It takes a lot of different skills to be able to pull that together. Um, and some skills it's really exciting to be able to work on yourself and say I want to develop my own skills in copy editing or proofing or whatever it is um, or just how to construct a manuscript but there are times where you need to reach out to people with expertise it's not something that you should think I can do all of this on my own um, and still produce a great result so one of the one of the big things for us was when we received the first set of um, design proofs from the in-house designer at Leuven University Press and we were, blown away by what they produced it was just so far beyond anything that we had envisioned it was absolutely beautiful we you know we made a few changes here and there of course um, and gave feedback and comments on it but th- but almost immediately they had um, recognized the the kind of exciting diverse colorful um, creative nature of the book and they had gone with it in in such a brilliant new direction, a way that we never would have thought to do. Um, So at the Institute for Advanced Studies in the Humanities at Edinburgh, we publish our own books from time to time. We are a small scale publisher, um, but, you know, the design element is is very, very basic and very low key. And so to work with a professional designer, professional editors, professional copy editors, professional reviewers, it lifted the whole project um, in a really fantastic new way. So I think, yeah, the, the advice I would give to anybody starting out is think about all of those different skills. Think about the team that you need to build that and then go with them. Trust those people um, to produce the, their best work. Um, we you know we gave them a manuscript that was really difficult to figure out how to display some of it. The, the poem by Joni Conwell, A Dangerous Woman, um, that was originally this kind of multimedia piece, that was really hard to figure out how to display on the page. There are pieces that are Um, have multiple images and threaded throughout them. And so the placement of those images, the size of those images, all of these things are really, really important. But we handed that over to the professionals and they came back with, you know, a simply beautiful, wonderful um, uh, product in the end, something that we never could have done on our own. So I think it's really important to, you know, know your own limits and know when it's time to go to the experts, um, but also seek out those experts, ask, you know, ask around who has the skills who can help this project to become the best that it can be, uh, rather than assuming you can do everything yourself.
1: All right, Ben, I have one final question left for you. What were your thoughts when you held the book in your hands for the first time?
2: My first thought was, it's huge. Um, I think I'd seen it on the page with measurements uh, in, the, in the final proofs, but the, this box arrived at my house. I opened up the lid and took out this absolutely enormous book. Um, I think all of us, all of us, had exactly the same response. Um, Joe, my co-editor, she, she um, tweeted exactly that on the day it arrived. All of the authors, when they received their copies, were all saying it's enormous, it's massive, um, and that was really, really exciting. It doesn't look like a, a little um, academic sort of traditional academic paperback it looks like uh, and it is a beautiful huge art book Um, it's got these wonderful bifold covers it's full color throughout Um, it's really thick it's really heavy Um, i'm holding it now and it's it's just the most enormous beautiful object Um, and i think that was the surprise you know we knew what the content was we knew everything that was in there word by word line by line we've been through it so many times but the physical object just transformed our understanding of the material and now I, I'm you know I, I'm incredibly proud of this enormous book on my shelf um, because it really does it takes up space in the world which is what we wanted the project to do and, and the the importance of of making sure that women's voices are uh, recognized and elevated and, and um, that people are allowed to express all of the things they wanted to express I think the scale and the the quality and the beauty of the final book is what does that for us it was we were absolutely blown away by it um it's as i say it's 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 scale is so exciting um it's not just some some small-scale academic book it really feels like a um like a kind of uh a a monolith it feels like a huge object that we've managed to create Um, and i know that all of our the feedback we've had from our readers is the same that it's a a wonderful book to be able to hold and flick through Um, it feels really significant um, in a very important way for us so that was that was absolutely fantastic and i still remember the moment i opened that box it was so exciting
1: thank you ben for this inspiring conversation we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did
2: Thank you so much it's been fantastic to speak to you and I'd also like to thank uh, my co-editor Professor Joe Shaw who can't be here today um, but also everyone who's helped us with the project over the many many years that it's been running particularly Dr Peter Freestone uh, whose idea it was who ran the Dangerous Women project um, before I took it over in 2018 um, all of the interns and staff at the university who've helped uh, produce the book and look after the website and worked with all of the, our wonderful authors Um, But most of all, I think I want to thank our readers. It's been fantastic to get feedback from people on the book uh, over the last few months. Um, And we're really delighted with the response that we've had. People are so enthusiastic about the book and so excited about it. Um, And that's why we did it. That's what it's all for. So thank you. And thanks to everybody who's been reading.